No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the through to Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we conclude the book of Genesis with Joseph giving instructions about their departure from Egypt. We'll also see the gospel according to Genesis. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl concludes Genesis chapter 50 on Simply the Bible. As we conclude Genesis, we come to the end of the beginning. We've covered the first 2,200 years of man's history. The remainder of the entire Bible covers a period of about 1,900 years. So you see that Genesis is highly compressed. It begins with God's creation of the heavens and the earth and ends with the account of two very high-profile deaths. Yesterday, we looked at the death of Israel, and today we look at the death of Joseph and also trace the gospel according to Genesis. Let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 50, verse 22. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household. And Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. When Israel died, Joseph was 56 years old. And he lived an additional 54 years and enjoyed his great-grandchildren. They were brought up on his knees. That's just a beautiful expression of the vital role a grandparent can have. At 57 years of age, I am enjoying this time of life as a grandparent. And it's amazing how quickly just seeing my grandchildren smile at me just gladdens my heart, picks me up. I literally pick them up and bounce them on my knee. But I also realize that I have the privilege and the responsibility of instilling godly values into them. So whenever my eldest grandson, who's now six years old, comes over, I try to read him a Bible story or a book that teaches a godly virtue. And whenever he spends the night, either my wife, Cindy, or I will pray with him before putting him to bed just to instill that godly heritage. But it is a different role, obviously, as a grandparent than a parent. And clearly, you, you've got to take a step back, uh, especially when the parents are around, so as not to interfere or you know, cross the lines of boundaries and so forth. Uh, but as a grandparent, I think it's a very influential role. I say that because I remember the incredible influence my grandparents had on me and the development of my faith. To a large degree, I credit everything I have done in ministry to the faithful prayers and godly example of my grandmother. When all the other relatives would give me toys and gadgets and everything else I asked for, she would give me a copy of Pilgrim's Progress. Her name was Alice, which means noble, and we named our daughter Allison after her. Verse 24. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. 
So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. It is interesting that of all the things Joseph did in his lifetime, interpreting dreams, overseeing the Egyptian food program that saved the world at that time, providing for his family in Egypt, this is the one thing for which he receives a mention in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. We read that by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Why was this considered such a great act of faith? Well, Joseph believed the word of the Lord, and he knew that God would surely visit them and take them up out of Egypt when it was time. As prime minister, Joseph could have had the very best tomb that Egypt had to offer. No doubt he had the most expensive embalming and the best coffin, but he knew the promise of God that one day his people would move back to Canaan and he wanted to go with them. He didn't want them to have to make a special trip to Canaan now to bury him like they did for his father. Rather, he wanted his body to go up with them when God opened the door for all of Israel to return to the promised land. And in this, Joseph exercised faith. He made his brethren swear an oath that they would not forget. In about 360 years, they would go up from Egypt carrying Joseph's coffin along with their caravans. And with this, the book of Genesis ends. Exodus opens with a new Pharaoh who did not know Joseph and who was cruel to the children of Israel, afflicting them with burdens and bitter bondage and making them serve with rigor. The book of Genesis begins with creation and ends with a coffin. It begins in Eden, the paradise of God, and ends in Egypt, which is a picture of the world. It's a commentary on the condition of man as a sinner, but it also lays the foundation for the coming Savior. From Eden onward, Genesis is the saga of sin and death. But through it all, we see glimpses of redemption, of the redemption coming in the future. Immediately after the fall, God spoke of the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. And when God saw that the wickedness of man was great and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, he was grieved that he even made man and was ready to destroy all living creatures on the earth. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God saved Noah, his family, and all the living creatures on board. The ark was a prototype of Jesus Christ, who is the only way of salvation from condemnation because of our sins. And in the same way, we have found grace in the eyes of the Lord as God has granted to us faith in Jesus Christ. Even after the flood, God's assessment of man was that the imagination of his heart is evil from his youth. Therefore, mankind remained in the place of helplessness and hopelessness, slaves to sin and death from generation to generation. 
The only way of escape was through faith in the promised seed who would reverse the cataclysmic results of the fall. It was this faith that justified Abraham when he believed God, and God accounted it to him as righteousness. Abraham was by no means perfect. He had many lapses of faith. But through it all, God was shaping him to be the father of those who are justified by faith. Abraham reached the summit of his faith when he was willing to offer Isaac, his only son whom he loved, as a burnt offering. When he and Isaac walked to the top of Mount Moriah, he told his son prophetically, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. And 2,000 years later, on that same mountain, the Lamb of God was slain, taking away the sins of the world. Perhaps this is what Jesus meant when he told the Jews in John 8:56, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. God made a threefold promise to Abraham. First, he would make him into a great nation. Second, he would give his descendants the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. And third, through his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. The Lord also gave this blessing to Isaac and to Jacob. Jacob passed on the dual blessings of the nation and the land to Joseph, who inherited the right of the firstborn. But he mentioned nothing of the promised seed, for he would come through Judah. Jacob told Judah that the scepter would not pass from his descendants until it came to Shiloh, which means rest, a reference to Christ. And to him would be the obedience of the people. Joseph was a marvelous prototype of Jesus Christ. Joseph was the beloved son of his father. Jesus was the beloved son of his father. Joseph was rejected by his brothers at first, and Jesus was rejected by his people at his first coming. Joseph was raised up as Lord over all the land of Egypt. Jesus has ascended into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of God and all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. Joseph's brothers bowed down to him when they saw him the second time. And the Jews will bow down before Jesus at his second coming. Joseph saved the nations and his people from the famine. Jesus saves the nations and his people from hell. Joseph was separate from his brothers and received the birthright and blessing of the firstborn. Jesus was set apart from his brothers and is the firstborn over all creation who will receive the nations as his inheritance. And Joseph died and his body was placed in a coffin. Jesus rose from the dead and there's nobody to be found. Throughout Genesis, we see the tragic record of sin and death, but we also see Jesus Christ pictured in so many places. We see him in Melchizedek, the king of Salem and priest of God Most High, whose name means king of righteousness. And Salem, of course, means peace. So he was the king of righteousness, the king of peace, a priest, a king priest, 
pointing to Jesus Christ. We see Jesus as the angel of the Lord who visited Abraham and shared with him about Sodom and Gomorrah. We see him as the angel of God wrestling all night with Jacob. And when Jacob wouldn't surrender, he crippled him and changed his name to Israel. Genesis is foundational. Without it, the rest of the Bible wouldn't even make sense. And we would have no historical record of how we got here or what our purpose is. However, because God has given us Genesis, we have a clear explanation for why the world is the way it is and a clear hope of a better world to come for those who trust God and His Son, Jesus Christ. God created the world and said that it was good. The story of Joseph shows that even though bad things happen, God works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to his purpose. He's the maker of all things. He's the Lamb of God and the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He knows you so well. Have you trusted in him? And if you have trusted in him, then you can rest assured that even as he's worked in the lives of his saints, he's working in your life. He's working all things together for good. You may not see it now. It may seem like all Hell literally is breaking loose. But you can rest assured that God will work all things together for good. That's the gospel according to Genesis. And tomorrow we begin the book of Exodus. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the through to Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 10.30 at Pepper Ridge Elementary School in Boise. To listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, just go to their website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. We'd certainly love to hear from you. Tomorrow we begin one of the most exciting and miraculous books of the Bible, the book of Exodus. We we'll hope you'll join us then on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.